When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Loaded up on your good Friday. We'll check in with Derek Peterson, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Petey's been all over it with some Husker football coverage. He's also taken a roadie to Kearney. We'll see if uh, he cried during his COVID shot. Inquiring minds want to know. There should be a, a, a Vegas line. Did Petey cry during, before, during, or after said COVID shot? You've had the first wave of it. Yeah, first one wasn't too bad. Okay, you're just trying to work out wave two? Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. I've been scheduled for next weekend. You've been scheduled next week when you are going to be in the sun down at Ole Miss. Yeah, down in the dirty sip. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure how I'm going to figure that out. But I, like, I, I called them. They're like, yeah, you can just get it the second one whenever, like whenever you want. Mm. I'm like, oh, I nice. guess, guess we'll figure it out. But I, I'll put the odds. The starting line, yes, is definitely like a big underdog on the did Dr. Petey cry. Yeah, I don't think he did. I think he kind of kissed his bicep when they were done. I mean, the first one definitely like it was like a sore arm for sure, but like nothing nothing I couldn't handle. Mm. I'm a man. Nah, good for you. <laughs> Uh, and you showed up in a bro tank. And that was that was a smart move, man. Didn't even have to jack with the sleeve. So we'll spend some time on Husker football. Bill Moose, uh, his name being mentioned. We'll tell you about that. Jay Moore with us from Hale Varsity and Big Red Wrap-Up. A little spring ball preview from Jay as far as what the guys are going through. In pads for the first time today as they wrap up week one of five. So Jay Moore this hour, Bill Dolman next hour, and then an extended interview with uh, one of the newest Husker commits, Victor Jones, uh, big-time wideout. Kudos to Elijah for running that down. Victor Jones, talented wideout out of Orlando that committed yesterday. We'll uh, chat with him around 520. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and uh, find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at uh, Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And so Nebraska on a bit of a roll recruiting-wise, you get the Victor Jones Jr. commitment yesterday. You get the uh, Yes, I'm In from Ben Brommer. Big-time tight end, four-star prospect, uh, the pride of Pierce. Him and Matt Harrion, man, keep uh, mining the uh, the fields of Pierce for big-time tight ends. And what a what a number for, for Brommer as a sophomore. Shia 800 yards receiving, 
10 touchdowns, five in-state tight ends for Nebraska the last several years. Got to love that, and uh, you got to get the tight ends involved. So let's dive into Bill Moose. You have Nebraska Athletic Director reportedly on a long list of preliminary candidates for the Pac-12 Conference Commissioner job. So you have Mr. Scott being asked to exit, and let's be honest, the Pac-12 is as good as their programs are. And they've always been good in college baseball. They're phenomenal in women's basketball with Stanford. UCLA is in the Final Four. And you have Oregon that kind of carries the flag along with USC for college football. But the Pac-12 has been a far cry. And as much as I like me some Friday night Pac-12 football or Pac-12 after dark on ESPN where we used to watch the Pirate a lot before he left for the SEC, Pac-12's never been able to secure a TV deal, like a lucrative one that puts them on pace with the likes of the SEC and the Big Ten. We'll see where the Big Ten goes at some point uh, as they're under new leadership with Commissioner Warren, of course, and uh, the councils and presidents and, and, and that crew. I mean, Jim Delaney delivered a fat paycheck for the universities and athletic departments year after year for three decades. The Pac-12 has been pretty high-level football for a while. They're always having guys go in the first or second round of the draft. It's not that they can't and don't play ball out there. Stanford's been down. Leach left. UCLA and Chip Kelly hasn't, hasn't exactly popped. Arizona's been a mess. Arizona State's pretty good with Herm. They're better than they have been. Utah and Whittingham's nice. Washington lost Chris Peterson. Oregon State seems to be kind of trending in the right direction. But it's not just your vintage Pete Carroll-led SC teams, or even Sark teams for that matter, that were, all right, they underachieved, but they were still 9-4, and four and they'd light somebody up in the Holiday Bowl. And I'll even throw in Oregon in there until up until the Marcus Mariota years. They had a, a 10-year stretch of, I'd call, dominance in the Pac-12. Um, and they've, I, I don't want to say they've fallen off, but they're, they're not the same as they were. They're, they're, they're borderline top 25. They can have a team that jumps up into the top 10 every once in a while, but they're just not the same as they were under uh, Chip Kelly, right? Chip Kelly and, and Helfrich kind of inherited some help, mm-hmm. and, and Scott was part of that staff. So, I mean, Helfrich was fine, but he had one down year, and then it was, you know, I mean, and uh, Lubick was part of that, part of the, the crew there, too. So they've won games. They've played well, and they went and got Mario Cristobal, and I think he's really good, right? I mean, he's got a little bit of SEC Miami to him. That's kind of his playground, and and he's done fine. So back to Bill Moose, right? What you'd be taking over with the Pac-12. Is it fixable? Absolutely. It, it is. And they'd be smart to go get Bill Moose. Bill Moose is a guy that that transformed Oregon, all right? Bill Moose is a guy that really helped Oregon take that next step with the uh, the Joey Harrington years. You had the, the wardrobe options that got some notice by younger fans. And by the way, they won football games, right? I know Mike Bellotti was the athletic director after he retired as head coach when Chip Kelly took over. But Oregon and Bill Moose and Phil Knight all kind of got on the, the same page and really helped – brand Oregon as an it school and then 
they they were right there. They're kind of and I and I hate saying this and it's a compliment, but they're kind of like the Atlanta Braves, where they're damn good every year, but they don't have the titles to back up the successful run. Right? You played for some championships, you didn't win one. And and Oregon's trying to get back there. You go get Bill Moose if you're the Pac twelve. You got a guy who knows how to communicate, knows how to wheel and deal. And everywhere he's been, he's been successful. He's a part of the rebuild right now in Lincoln, and he's been pretty adamant about that between football and basketball. Uh, went to Washington State, brought in the Pirate, and uh, by year four, they're winning double-digit games until Leach left. And then Nebraska went out there and uh, through a search firm was able to get Moose here. So if I were to put money down... I think the the West Coast Conference Commissioner, Gloria Neverez, is going to get a really strong look. That's where Gonzaga's at. That's where St. Mary's is at. Now, what what type of football background? Because that's how you're going to make your money. That's how you're going to command your dollars. That's how you're going to get your universities and athletic departments paid. Uh, Neverez uh, is a, a very, very smart commissioner, and she has commissioner experience. Uh, Oliver Luck, of course, Andrew's dad, uh, was the athletic director at West Virginia and also the XFL. He's a phenomenal candidate. But Moose mentioned with these names here, and Moose uh, responded to the Journal Star, flattered to be mentioned, but but merely media speculation. I've not been contacted. There's 10 to 12 candidates here. We'll chat with Bill Dolman in less than an hour, get his take on things, because Bill knows the, the way the athletic department slash you know what do you need in the commissioner game is played because he spent years doing administration on top of sports casting so anxious to get his take listen you can do a lot worse than bill moose if push came to shove i think bill moose wants to stay here in lincoln not that not that a commissioner job is even something you, you bat an eye at and if you're offered it yes you take it but i think when push comes to shove i think bill moose wants to see this thing through i think he wants that facility built i think he wants to see football uh in a in a championship game and he wants to see the nebraska basketball program in an ncaa tournament game because bill moose man his uh his legacy is pretty bulletproof at oregon it's very impressive to get Leach and Washington State winning and rebuilt his alma mater. And then to come to Lincoln and, and get Nebraska flipped around eventually to be able to get Frost, to be able to get Hoiberg. I mean, he's he's been a big fish hire. And now you want to see it through to where you're winning games and you want to see your team in contention for championships. And it's been a slow burn. Yeah, it, to me, in an ideal world, Bill Moose should should say thanks, but no thanks to the Pac-12, and then write a, a very strong letter recommendation for Kevin Warren. Let's get Kevin <laughs> Warren hired by the Pac-12. <laughs> but 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 in all seriousness, kind of like you know, my name's Barry, and this I course guy'll do you well. He's <laughs> been working for me for years. I can't get rid of him. <laughs> so so that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. But in all seriousness, the way I see it, Bill Moose is, is 70 years old. He's only five years younger than, than Barry Alvarez. So How much longer does he want to go? Does he want to take on a Pac-12 yeah. job? Does he have does he have time in his career? Mm-hmm. He, he's a good-looking 70. He doesn't look 70. And the other part of this, too, I mean, Bill's set to make about $3.6 million here between now and 2022 when his contract expires. Yeah, yeah the question to me is, does he 
ride out these last two years into retirement? Does he maybe re-sign a new contract and, and finish his years at Nebraska? Or does he go over to be the Pac-12 commissioner and finish his years there, even though, I mean, do you think the Pac-12 is really looking for a guy that's going to be with them five, six years? I don't know. Are they, are they looking for stability? For, for, for a minute, yes. They're looking for stability. They're looking for experience. And, and no one knows the Pac-12 like Bill Moose. He's, he's your most experienced candidate mm-hmm. right now. And he's done it at two different spots. So he knows the, the lay of the land. I think Oliver Luck's a little younger and has uh, been in some pretty big-time circles. So we'll see if Bill Moose's name stays hot with this opening. But you need somebody of Moose's caliber to uh, to get it done. The other thing, too, is, I mean, you've got, and again, not to beat this this horse here, but if you're Bill Moose, you want to you wanna go see your kids and your head coach perform well down in Norman with that whole fiasco that there's a lot of crap thrown at Moose and this wasn't on him. I mean, he, he's, he's excited for moments of celebration that honor the game of the century. He's totally, he was, there's no way he wanted out of this thing. And he wants to, to see the fan base get back in. Uh, when it comes to, to Nebraska, really good, really good article by, by Tom Chattel and the topic of, of humble pie. And this came out yesterday. We didn't quite get to it. But, you know, I look at, at what Nebraska was able to do to help kind of continue and sustain success. What type of tweaks and adjustments do you make as a head coach for your football program, and when do you make them? Okay, so two examples of guys making changes when you're rolling or you're just a step away from championship. Nick Saban, what did he do? He went from your game manager, drop-back pro-style quarterback to hiring Lane Kiffin to getting Tua, right? He went for the mobile quarterback with Tua and Jalen Hurts, and that turned Bama from really, really, really great to unbeatable and championship level, okay? Because they had, they had their own dose of medicine that was about the only way you could beat Alabama's defense. It was with the mobile quarterback, Johnny Football, or Cam Newton. So Saban's already kind of at the mountaintop, winning 11, 12 games, playing for and winning championships, and he tweaks his offense to more of a spread mobile quarterback look versus uh, name name some of the managers that had great offensive line and eye backs that were good players. AJ McCarron. That's, that's the okay. number one thing I was thinking of. So the the AJ McCarron to the to the Tua. Greg McElroy. Right, and no knock. I mean, they're they're great. They they won and. Brought Bama championships. Tom Osborne uh, switched from a, a kind of a pro-style passing attack, did so, and went to Turner Gill and the option look. And that was what allowed Nebraska to compete and beat the Oklahomas and play for championships. So Osborne did that in the, in, in the late 70s. And, and then again in the early 90s, shifting his defense from that 5-2 to a 4-3 where you just put so much team speed on the field that could stop the run, you had to adjust to just the one-back offenses where you had three wideouts, and they just got your linebackers in a whole hell of a lot of trouble. University of Washington, the University of Miami, Colorado, they all shifted or were in kind of a a three-set wide receiver, one-back set, and Nebraska had to counter defensively. They did, 
and they did extremely well with their offense, with their defense, and winning. Scott Frost's shift right now is not only practice style, but adjusting to the Big Ten. Not the Big Ten adjusting to Nebraska. And what the adjustment looks like is happening is, is more. And Nebraska is going to run the football, but how do they run the football, right? And the way they run the football, hopefully, uh, is, is more downhill, more eye back or running back centric versus your quarterback run game. And the other part of this thing, too, is just what you're going to be able to get uh, with your practices. Sounds boring to talk about with practices, but that's okay. You get so good fundamentally, you're not hurting yourself with penalties or turnovers or missteps. You win a lot more games, special teams, right? We'll get into some of the uh, the rushing thoughts from uh, Derek Peterson of Hale Varsity. That's next, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. One hour away, new recruit for Nebraska football, Victor Jones Jr. Bill Dolman coming up. Jay Moore on the way. Dr. Petey is in. Derek Peterson from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Dr. Petey HV. Tears or no tears after the shot, my friend? What's up, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Now, yes or no on tears? Were there tears after the injection? Oh, were there tears? No, of course not. No, it's just a little shot. Okay, so... I'm not, I'm not one of those people that was real, like, big on... I wasn't fearful of, of shots or vaccines when I was a kid. Good. That's that's awesome. And and me being uh, kind of a, a goofball, I said, you know, if, if it's going to be a shot, make sure it's... Uh, you know, Cuervo. The good know. kind. Yes, the good, the good kind. Oh, not not Cuervo. No, 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 no not Cuervo. So what, what are you going with if we're talking about alternative shots? I mean, we're not doing tequila. Okay, all right. Tequila is the worst. Uh-huh. There, there's, we'll move on. <laughs> tequila's okay. Tequila's all right. So with Nebraska football, Derek, and it's been an interesting week, and it's, you know, can't wait to – continue to cover this team and see some of the, the strides they uh, they make this season yep. and then it culminate on on on, uh, on you know football Saturday May 1st you've done some really awesome work with your stories and you know specifically tempo and that was pretty fascinating to hear Greg Austin talk about with some of the adjustments when when you think of, of Nebraska's just offense in general what comes to mind for you first is it man they've got so much potential or man they're just they're in their own way what's what's the immediate like image in your mind well this is spring and spring is the time for unbridled optimism right so i'm kind of in that phase right now looking at potential and and things like that i mean yeah I, i was with you it was it was really interesting to hear uh greg austin talk about there's been more of an emphasis on detail as opposed to tempo. Cause like we all heard the same things through the first couple of years where it was like a lot of the instruction happens after practice, as opposed to, you know, like if somebody um, runs the wrong route or somebody kind of misses a read or something during a play, you're not hearing about it. You're not getting that kind of instruction um, sort of after the play. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's in the film room after practice is over. And 
you know, to hear them kind of switch to, you know, we're focused on details. We're focused on technique right now. Um, it was interesting. It'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of benefit that has. Um, because, you know, like really just with everything that we heard this week, like that was the big emphasis with them was detail. Um, Sean Becton talked about it. Travis Fisher talked about it. Uh, Eric Schneider talked about it. They want to be detailed. And like, so when we're talking about um, potential versus, you know, like, are they in their way? Like, they do have a lot of potential. You know, we really like the secondary. We really like sort of the talent they have at wide receiver. We really like the talent they have at tight end and running back and things like that. And they have a lot of potential. And, you know, you start, you start getting to that potential by being a little bit more detailed. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of what comes of that. Derek Peterson's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Derek, when you talk about potential, who do you think has more potential in this offense? Is it, is it the receiver room or is it the running back room? Um, well, you guys know me. I'm I'm card-carrying member of the Savion Morrison fan club. Um, <laughs> Not only are you a member, you are the president. I am the president, yes, sir. Um, but wide receiver is really interesting. You know, because Samori Toure in the slot is really interesting. Um, I'm outside. There's a train going by, so I apologize if it gets really loud. No worries. Um, Toure in the slot is really interesting. And then, so, so if you get, like, you get Toure productive in the slot, you get Omar Manning back, Xavier Betts takes a step, Alante Brown takes a step. They got so many pieces at wide receiver that you just start, you know, you can't help but feel like, okay, I mean, if things come together, like, it'll be fine, okay? But when we talk about tight ends needing to be um, really good or their tight end room being one of the best in the country, sometimes when we talk about that, it's because, like, oh, well, those guys need to be the sort of make up for the wide receivers. You know, Greg Smith and I talked about this on my podcast this week. Like, it's not outside the realm of possibility that the wide receiver room is really good because, you know, we can see the pieces. Everybody likes the pieces. Um, and they've got guys that sort of they look the part. It's just a matter of they need to be on the field. And everybody that I've talked to has said that Samori Toure is, is going to be a legitimate dude. If not for COVID, he probably would have been in the NFL draft right now. Um, Nebraska is a beneficiary of that. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, I'm curious what Marquis Steph looks like. We'll get to talk to Brian Held next week mm-hmm. um, in the running back room, but there's, there's just not a lot of on-field experience with the running back room. But you look at the wide receiver group and, like, there's guys that have done it at a college, at an FCS, or at a JUCO level. Um, you know, it's at, I don't think you're, you know, drunk on Kool-Aid if you're like, hey, this room has potential. No, it's, it's got talent in the room. You want to see the talent, A, used, or B, not just used, but, but used till someone stops it. And you haven't even seen kind of the, the same the crew, same crew of receivers. I mean, you just saw so many different personnel groupings, which is fine, but you just didn't get a ton of production. Or if you did have some production, it was, it was just fleeting. It was, it was momentary, and then you didn't see that stacked. Uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about the stat that makes Nebraska fans kind of stare longingly with your column, and that's ninety-eight number 98 in the country 
when it comes to explosive pass plays. Nebraska's top 30 in a lot of great rushing numbers, but to balance out on offense, they need more explosive plays. Passing, wideouts, again, to that talent can be really good. Let's go to the quarterback and Adrian. What what do you pin th- – what, what what's your explanation? What do you pin it on as far as the lack of explosiveness in the passing game? Is it dudes not getting open? Is it offensive line? Is it a dinged quarterback? Is it a uh, a quarterback that's dealing with confidence issues? I mean, if you were to, to, to give me reason number one, they've been so bad downfield, what is it? It's a combination of all that. Part of it is – I mean, part of it, and, and, and I said this the second the coaching staff got here with the way that they recruited the wide receivers, it, there, was, there was a lot of 5'10 guys and not a lot of guys that look like Omar Manning or Samori Torre. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of had – it worked at UCF. That was a, that was a different um, – that was a different playing field that they were kind of working on in, in the American Athletic Conference. Um, and, you know, like, to their credit, they've adjusted. But, like, with the, with the downfield stuff, you know, they've got Omar now, they've got Samori Toure now, they've got Xavier Best. You just need guys to throw it to like that. That's why you saw Austin Allen kind of come on so strong last year um, is because he, he sort of filled that need. Um, but, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's like everything. It's, it's just a combination of a lot of factors. Like, do it, did it look like Adrian maybe was struggling a little bit with confidence last season? Yeah. Does he need more time? Yeah. I mean, Greg Austin said it this week. The offensive line didn't live up to the standard that they set for themselves last season. Um, that's something that, that they're kind of working on. Um, wide receivers were open. Sometimes Adrian just didn't have time to get it to him. Mm. Um, and so, like, it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. And, like, that's what, that's what the coaching staff says. I know people don't like to hear it, but it's just, you know, and this goes back to the detail thing. It's just, you know, a, a little detail here and there kind of makes everything work. When you're talking about, you know, a, a team of 11 guys on the field, like everybody, like everybody has to be doing their job. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I think it can be better in terms of the explosive pass play. I think it can be better. Um, like again, like a lot of what we've talked about, they got they've got to prove it on the field. But I think they have the pieces. Um, to do it, and so to hear them kind of talk about, yeah, we're working on the detail in practice, we're slowing it down a little bit, we're focused on this and that, um, and then to hear, you know, like Cam Jurgens brought up explosive, explosive plays, kind of unprompted on Monday, and said that that's that's a big emphasis for the offense is finding some more explosives. Um, you know, I sort of took that as like this is something that's been said by the coaching staff a lot, and these guys are regurgitating it kind of when they get up in front of the media. That's a good thing for them to to sort of. Be like, yep, this is what we need to work on. This is where we're at. This is what we got to work on. I, I, you know, they're saying all the right things, which is kind of what I said on my podcast. It, it, you know, I'm liking what I'm hearing from them. You know, they're, they're, there's, a, um, there's an acknowledgement of sort of where they've fallen short, and, and there are some kind of like actionable steps that they've sort of laid out in, in how they're going to address things. It's been emphasized by coaches. Players get it. It seems like there's been uh, kind of a reckoning not only from the assistants and the head coach, but it's trickled down to the players, and it's it's a same-page message. And uh, you got to see what you're hearing, though, right? And you get a chance to do that in spring and then hopefully in the fall if you're a Nebraska fan. Uh, Derek Peterson's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, at DrPDHV on Twitter. Uh, Derek, uh, before we go, Kevin Durant fined 50 grand 
by the NBA. Your uh, reaction to that with his interaction with uh, Rappaport? Uh, too much, not enough, just right, or overblown? Um, as somebody that was hurt by Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma oh, wow. City and somebody who has has sort of um, judged Kevin Durant harshly in the past, none of the language was good. Um, neither guy looked great nope. in, in, in the aftermath. But one thing I will say, and this is not to excuse what Kevin Durant said. I don't, I don't want to come off like that. One thing I will say is, like, sometimes we got to just take a step back and think, like, hey, this athlete is a person just as, as well as they are an athlete. Mm-hmm. And it's not like this is not a vessel for entertainment for me. This is a person. And, you know, Kevin Durant takes his fair share of criticism. Um, again, like, the language that he used was bad. and It's not language that I want to use or – want like friends of mine to use but like kevin durant is a person that that doesn't get treated like a person and you know sometimes people break with that so no good good take there uh and the the interaction rapapore is is a guy that was all over durant and katie had Push enough yeah katie had enough and katie's been known to have thin skin and uh yeah his language was was no bueno and there's the heart of your fine right there. Well, you have a good uh, holiday weekend. Dr. Petey, we'll get caught up next week. Good to see you down at practice, bud. You too, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Appreciate you. Good to see him. Good stuff. Check that out, HailVarsity.com with uh, Derek Peterson. Uh, great uh, coverage this week. Jay Moore's up next on Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hail Varsity Radio. Talk some spring football, Blackshirt, Husker, NFL, or Jay Moore with us. His podcast, More To It. Find him on Twitter at jmore44. Bird, you're you're doing some yard work. You're not doing some golf. I mean, God bless you if you try and battle this win today. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, uh, I'm getting some yard work done. Uh, hopefully, I'll get out tomorrow morning when it's a little calmer. So, yeah, just get some yard, much needed yard work done. Love being outside. So it's just that time of year. So gotta get the. Get cleaned up, everything looking nice, and ready for some warm weather. That is about right. Uh, what were your takeaways this week with Nebraska as they got spring football underway between what Coach Frost had to say and your buddy Greg Austin? Uh, it sounded like there's some tweaks to, to practice that, that may help the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's something needs to be tweaked, right? Because it hasn't gone the way we wanted it to um, the last few years. So. You know, they're going into year four, and they have yet to have a winning season. They have yet to, you know, kind of get going, get this high-potent offense. I know there's there's uh, there's some issues with, you know, some younger players and, and whatnot, and, you know, you got to get the right pieces sometimes. But, you know, this is uh, – yeah, they'd be crazy not to, right? I don't, what's, the, what's the famous quote about, um, you know, insanity or, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting – uh, different results. Well, you know that's you got to you got to change and uh, and tweak some stuff to get going because it's not obviously where 
that staff wants things to be and where we want it to be and that this, the state wants it to be. You know, we want, you know, it's not like we're asking for, you know, national championships. I mean, that'd be great, but let's get back to winning football and, and smart football and, and fundamentally sound football where you're, you're beating the teams you're, you're supposed to be and you're hanging into those teams that you might be dogs to and, and you're playing in bowl games and you're fighting for the west side of the conference year in and year out instead of, you know, you're just kind of playing for pride you know, with a few games left in the season, and you're maybe hoping you can squeak out a bowl game. So, yeah, they, they definitely need to change some things up. Jay, I was interested on the, on the tempo topic, and uh, it sounds like the, the tempo is being slowed. Greg Austin talked about holding on to blocks a little longer and the fatigue factor that sets in. If you made a mistake or you were going against somebody that, that, that had a false start, Nine times out of ten, was that due to fatigue or just some sort of mental lapse? Tell me how and why mistakes like that that are supposed to be the fundamentals you work on since you start playing football ha- have happened so much. I mean, what, what do you chalk it up to? Yeah, I think it could be, it could be fatigue. That's, that's definitely one thing. You know, that's, you're tired and you've been, you know, you've been going for how many snaps into a game. You know, that's your, your mind kind of stops working. But – but also I think that links to how you practice because you're making those mistakes in practice. You know, you're probably doing, or excuse me, if you're making those mistakes in the game, you're probably doing it in practice. So, mm-hmm. you know, they gotta, you gotta, that's where it starts. You gotta have perfect practices as much as possible. Cause then you can start having, you know, realistic expectations of playing better in the games. Cause if you're having sloppy practices. You just, you just don't go out there on Saturday and say, Hey, you know, we, we looked like garbage, you know, Monday through Thursday, uh, I expect us to play well. No, it doesn't work that way. So I think that's where it first and foremost has got to start. But yeah, I mean, I, being fatigued, you just get sloppy. You you know you you uh, you just don't use your hands and your feet as well, and then you just kind of just don't think as well. But that's you know that that comes with you know hopefully they they tweak some stuff this off season if they're talking about fatigue. And uh, you know it's not about always lifting. I mean, you always want to have. Guys, you can lift a ton of weight. That's great, but I always tell people weights don't fight back, right? I want a guy that's able to, you know, be strong, but also can be strong for 90 plays and and have that uh, and they have that they don't have that quit and they have that energy and they have you know the stamina to bring that that power and that physicality for much longer, you know. So yeah, that's a, that's an equation that they're trying to get figured out as well. So you know, but yeah, it's a fatigue always a little bit. You're gonna have it. You know, you're not going to have perfect, you know, you'd like to have perfect plays and, and perfect games and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes, you know, they have, they have scholarship players too. And uh, you make mistakes and you learn from those mistakes make sure they don't happen again. And, and, you know, if you have a couple of failed plays, you know, out of 70-some snaps, that's okay sometimes. You know, you have 68 pluses and, and two minuses. You, that's a pretty dang good game. So, you know, hopefully those minuses don't come at key times and, and you learn from those mistakes and move on. Jay, earlier this week, Greg Austin said one of the, the fundamentals he wants to be focusing on is blocking through the whistle for his offensive line. Uh, as somebody who went up against offensive linemen, what exactly does that mean? I, I mean, I, I get what it means, like keeping holding on your block through the whole time, but like as a defensive lineman, what's it like to block against a guy who uh, blocks through the whistle as opposed to a guy who doesn't? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's annoying, but you know, but you... <laughs> That's why, as a defensive lineman, you're you know you're you're going against guys like that. Yes, when you, you know, you got to be ready to, to to bring it and battle with them for four quarters, and and you got that defensive lineman. You got to play with really good technique. That's why you got to have a good pad level, and you got to get rid of blocks as a defensive lineman. You got to play with your hands, and you got to get rid of those 
those blocks and, and go make a play and get him on the ground and get him off you because, uh, you know, once he's off you, he can't really – I mean, they can, he can come back, but it's, it's tough. You know, 300-pound linemen, 325-pound linemen, once they kind of get off you, it's, they're, hard to get, they're hard to get back on you uh, just because they're, they're big and you know, they're not the most athletic people in the world. So, you know, you, that's the biggest thing is, is defensive line using your hands. But, no, you got you got to have that mentality that you're going to come and you're not stopping. You know, that's, that's, just, that's just bringing a little more nastiness. That's all it is. It's just playing with a little more edge and a little more fire and just playing a little more nasty, and uh, they can definitely use some more of that up front. Jay Moore's with us, Black Shirt Husker NFLer, Hale Varsity Radio, at Moore 44 on Twitter, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, a thought here as we switch over to the NFL. Uh, is there a quarterback that, that you like in this draft? Your team, the Niners, have traded uh, and done some wheeling and dealing to get that third pick overall. Uh, is there a quarterback you think fits best with Shanahan? Oh, man, it's tough. You know, he's had, you know, and you look back when he was successful with, you know, the Falcons as OC, you know, he had Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that can work. I think Kyle Shanahan's really a, a bright mind, and he can use about anybody, to be honest. But it's just realistically, you look at who's, you know, sitting at three, you know, is, is Trevor Lawrence going to be left? Do you, no. you go for, <laughs> yeah, do you go through for uh, Justin Fields? Do you go for... Um, you know, I don't know about the kid out of North Dakota State. Like, I just, um, you know, I haven't paid a whole lot of attention mm-hmm. to draft stuff, but uh, to be honest. But I think, you know, they got, they got an interesting move. You know, unless they get, they're trying to get someone someone else, you know, there's some good D linemen in this draft again. And I know they've they lost a few guys um, to free agency the last couple of years. So maybe try to snag one. Maybe try to deal Garoppolo and, and, you know, I don't know, make a move for some, you know, another QB, we'll see, but uh, I think they're, you know, Shanahan and Lynch know what they're doing, so QB-wise, I just don't know if those guys are, you know, maybe maybe Fields is around, I don't know, but I, yeah, I think it, it could work. I think Fields could work there. I think Shanahan can make something with that and kind of get a dual, dual threat action going on with uh, in that offense. Jay, we'll uh, get uh, caught up next week. Thanks for a few minutes today. Yep, you got it. Thanks, guys. Good stuff from Jay Moore. He will not blow away. And remember, weights don't uh, hit back. (laughs) So keep an eye on San Fran, what they do. Should be interesting. We'll wind down this first hour. Bill Dolman's on the way. And uh, one of the newest commits for Nebraska football 2022. Commit number two, wide out from Orlando, Victor Jones Jr. An extended sit-down with him at 520. Tale of our city. Great to be with you on Good Friday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. What final time this hour? It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We'll uh, spend some time with Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, 10 minutes away, NBC Sports. Bill's done a lot of college basketball over the years and covered the likes of Roy Williams and Bill Self and Porter Mosier and the final four is tomorrow on ESPN Lincoln. So we'll get some basketball thoughts. And, of course, Bill's going to dive into spring football. He'll predict how Nebraska will uh, be better offensively. And this whole attention to detail thing. It sounds boring, right? And it's a little bit new narrative because it's so uh, meat and potatoes focused. That's how you're going to win in the Big Ten. This moment in motivation and 
someone telling you it's okay to be boring. Picture your junior high PE teacher with the whistle around his neck, the bike shorts on, and the socks pulled up to his knees. I give you Tom Allen of Indiana as the uh, Hoosiers caught him saying, keep after it, men. And Indiana was really talented in football last season. Make sure you finish well. All right, that's the key. All right. How many guys, this is your first full spring practices? Raise your hand. That's over half. Okay. Didn't have it last year. All right. So the guys that haven't been here beyond that, it's your first time going through full spring of 15 practices. Okay. It can be long. It can be tough. All right. That's where you have to embrace the boredom of consistency. You have to. All right? But it's hard to do that. Why is that hard? To embrace the board of consistency. Why is that hard? It's tiring. Yeah, because you get mentally weary. You get physically weary. And the people that can't handle that, okay, they fall off. They can't push through. They're not mentally tough enough. They're not physically tough enough. All right? Because things are going to happen. You're not going to feel a certain way every day. But those that can do that and can embrace it, that word embrace is critical. You separate yourself as a coach and as a player and as an individual in this life. That's a fact. That's the truth. And when you're chasing greatness, as things like this go along, there starts becoming a gap between you and the other guys. All right? Just finished opportunity number 10. Got 11 on Saturday. It's critical that we have a great Saturday. We'll explain to you how that's going to look later. All right? Here's the key. Finish. And how you're taking care of yourselves, how you're studying film. All right, we're still putting stuff in. That goal line period was brand new. All right. Embrace the boredom of consistency. (laughs) Uh, Elijah, you're putting eye black on right now. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm ready to run through a wall. I always wonder with those coaches, though, like how much of that is just off the top of their head and how much did they like sit down the night before and like write it out? And That's like, him. That's just that, who he is? That, that's him. No one's that great of an actor. Not Pacino, not De Niro. All right. What about Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks is phenomenal and he can deliver <laughs> something like that, but that's to his credit as an actor. Alan's your fired up guy you want to play for. And he thinks if he thinks you're a good football player, that means the world to you. And he lays it out. He gives you the why right there. Got finish. Nebraska's still trying to do that. We'll see if this uh, spring helps uh, make it more of a reality in the fall. Bill Dolman coming up. Victor Jones Jr., new recruit on the way. Next hour with Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to an hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lot. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And a reminder, the championship Monday, we were at Longwell's Roadshow Monday, 4 to 6. Hale Varsity, we're live 
And uh, again, come on down, see us, and then stick around for the title game. Your chance at Chris Stapleton tickets, Salt Dog tickets, Jet Splash gift cards, restaurant gift cards, the grand prize. Look, it ain't easy to get in because of limited capacity to see Major League Baseball. We have a chance to get you a four-pack of home game seats to the Royals this 2021 season. So get on down to Longwell's. Plenty of beer on tap. Great eats. I'm going to get a lot of wings. And, of course, the Megatron screen. We were there the last time we got to see a national champion crowned. Come on down, do it all again with us. Do you know, am I eligible for the Chris Stapleton tickets even no. though I work here? No, <gasps> no, absolutely not. <laughs> you are not. Bill Dolman might be eligible if he drives in from uh, from uh, from Donkeyland. We welcome in the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill Dolman with us at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, how's your Friday? Well, the weather is perfect on this good Friday out here in uh, Colorado, which is uh, not too unusual. Uh, I understand that you guys are having one of the uh, uh, five or six nice days a year outside of the wind in Lincoln. So uh, so it sounds like it's a good Friday for everybody. It is. And yes, the wind is is phenomenal if I'm teeing off with it at my back. Um, So otherwise, no, it's it's not great wind, but it's sunny and warm and some warm feelings uh, this time of year with spring football as Scott Frost met the media and you know, he had a chance to, to see coaches again, not via Zoom either, and it was great. And, you know, Bill, you've been around a million spring football seasons and you know that it, it is an optimistic time and actions eventually got to wa- match words. But, you know, I think there's been some, some soul searching here by staff, by players, and by the head coach. Well, I think that you have to do that, and I think that maybe that's a, that that's a sign of, uh, of an understanding of the task ahead. Also, a sign of maturity that you may not know everything, even though you think you might know everything, and that you might have to uh, to go through some some changes. Now, will they be major wholesale changes? Uh, I, I doubt that that Scott's in the process of doing anything like that. But I, I think if you at least acknowledge that we need to make some uh, make some uh, not changes in the way we do things, then then that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I think you know Tom did that. Uh, I think probably two or three major shifts that I you know that I can recall. You know, one would be you know going from the, the basically a, a pass uh, pro style offense back in the the seventies with you know Ferragamo and Hum and. Terry Luck and Randy Garcia and uh, all those guys um, to, you know, the option with, with Turner, knowing that you had to make a significant change. And, you know, that was one of the, one of the biggest changes probably anybody has ever made in the history of college football. And it turned out pretty well for, for 20 years. Uh, then you had the change to the, you know, to the four, three defense and going much faster with the Ed Stewart's and, and uh, where you, you know, you, you, you had the speed on defense and you also had an attitude on defense that went with it. So, you know, so Tom, and then just the way they went about their business, you know, that, you know, that was probably more behind the scenes than what you saw in the field. But, you know, Tom was willing to, to change and to adapt. And, and I think maybe Scott understands that going into, what is this, his fourth or 14th season, you know, <laughs> as the head coach. Bill Dolman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, um, a thought here. You've covered a lot of college football. Uh, when it comes to the Big 8 and the Big 12. And, you know, how do you remember 
Roy Williams. I remember three titles at Carolina. I remember some near misses at UNL uh, at uh, at Kansas, I should say, where he was right there. And uh, any any interactions with Roy? You, I'm sure you got to sit down with him. <laughs> uh, I had a feeling you were going to ask me, and so I thought, you know, maybe the best way to, to say it would be uh, Roy Williams is a good basketball coach. Okay. That's that's where that's it. <laughs> he had a lot of success at Kansas and a lot of success at North Carolina. Okay. We can go a little deeper, brother, or is it too soon to <laughs> unleash, unleash the about, fury? I'm just a, a little emotional about the whole thing. That you know, hopefully, I can can overcome it. Uh, you know that he's that he's you know moved on to uh, to retirement, but. You know, like he had great success at Kansas when nobody really thought that you know they they could after Larry Brown, and so you know, congratulations to that. There, there are just a couple of things that you know, I, I the, the the leaving Kansas or the staying at Kansas or whatever he did with Kansas and North Carolina a couple of times was just really really odd, and the whole poor old Roy thing was just kind of an odd you know act. But uh, you know, we're in the Kansas tie to the Carolina press conference and. And, you know, it, but he had a, a tremendous career and at two different institutions that uh, really had a lot of pressure with a lot of tradition upon them. And, and, you know, he's had a Hall of Fame career. And I'm almost, you know, a little surprised to see him go out at this point, although he said, I'm, I'm not the guy for the job mm-hmm. anymore. That may be the poor old Roy again. Um, but, you know, I thought maybe that after this challenging season that there might be one more go around to see if they could at least go a little further in the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's a program that's going to flirt with a national title under him uh, where it is right now. And he certainly acknowledges that it's, a, I think, a new era of college basketball. And with all the, you know, the transitions and the transfers and everything that's going on, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, for a guy who's 70 who did it his way for so long, you know, it, it just is a, a lot to keep up with at this stage. And it is, it is time for, um, for new blood to take over that program, although whoever takes over that program will bleed Carolina blue. Yeah, Carolina Mafia is going to go with one of their own. They they always do, and we'll see if they. I mean, it's not that far removed. I mean, 2017 Carolina cut the nets down and won a championship. But do you think it's just today's college era that that drove him out? Well, I don't think. I, I do think being you know 70, he's had a hell of a career, yeah. and, and and maybe he sees the writing on the wall, but. Keeping up with the you know with with the transfers and the uh, and the guys you know like like the the, I can't, the name escapes me the kid at Duke earlier this year you know got hurt and said you know what I'm just going to shut it down and, mm-hmm. and declare for the NBA draft in February and it's like you know the, the days of guys being around for for three years let alone four mm-hmm. I mean they're just really really long gone and. And I think, you know, adapting to that and the, the transfer portals, I mean, I, I don't think Roy Williams is necessarily alone in that regard and feeling, you know, that this is just a lot to keep up with. And, and maybe this is a, a generation that I, my way is just not going to, uh, to play. And, and not that he's, you know, the Bob Knight of, you know, a Bob Knight type coach that probably wouldn't play at all in this era. But it, it, is, it, is, a, it is a different day. And for a guy who's 70 and done everything that he's been able to do, it, it's just, I, I just think that it's probably a, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see a lot of coaches that, you know, that are going to say, you know, I, I just, this is just too much anymore. And I'm not, I'm not prepared for it. And you might see, maybe you see more Mike Woodson's and, um, you know, other guys from the NBA, uh, you know, Jawan Howard's coming in, you know, back into the college ranks because 
the college game is going to become much more like the NBA, not just in style of play, which we see all the time, and we see that with Nebraska, you know. But the whole business aspect of college basketball and college sports in general at that level, you know, how you manage players, their egos, and their people is is really going to come into play. It's just not the way it was 10 years ago. Bill, uh, we'll get back to basketball in a second. I need to get your take on on the Pac-12 commissioner gig, Bill Moose's name on a longer list. But uh, he's flattered by the the mention, but he's not been contacted about it. Uh, Oliver Luck, also a name you hear. You know the administrative side. You know the TV side. And, you know, what, what does the Pac-12 need to do? And would Bill Moose be the right guy? I know Bill's 70. I think he's a young 70, and he knows that conference. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, – I mean, I read the articles out of the, the San Jose papers yesterday in the L.A. and, and with Sacramento, wherever else there were. And it, it just sounds like somebody throwing names mm-hmm. out there as, as, you know, as possibilities. That, and I saw today that Bill Moose hasn't been contacted. Um, I would be surprised if they would, you know, go in that direction. Uh, now we just got done talking about Roy Williams being 70 and, you know, the, maybe the, the whole game, not just the game of basketball, but the whole thing has passed him by. I think Bill Moose gets the game at hand, you know, administratively. But uh, they're going to look for somebody that is uh, an L.A., San Francisco type, a California guy, who's probably, you know, uh, an up-and-comer in maybe in television. You know, uh, Oliver Luck's name seems to come up for every big administrative job that there is. But I I could see them going, you know, to to somebody who was perhaps in television uh, or even in entertainment in some way, shape, or another, you know, that is is going to – shape the way they go with their media strategy over the next 10 years because the last 10 years have not been very good. Uh, I get the Pac-12 network out here in Denver, and I don't know anybody else that even mentions it, whereas I know in Nebraska people pretty religiously watch the Big Ten network. But the Pac-12 network, I'm not going to call it a disaster, but I just don't know if it has anybody who watches it, and that has been – uh, has not been well played as well as, as you know Jim Delaney set out the big the Big Ten Network even quite frankly even as well as the Mountain West Network that I worked for 12 years ago was laid out. Uh, I think we had greater success in what we what our mission was than what the Pac-12 Network has done, and they're going to need somebody to to really give that um, uh, a, a, a revamping if they're going to make that thing work. Yeah, Bill, the, the TV deal is going to be instrumental to whoever gets this uh, this next commissioner gig for the Pac-12 because, especially in a year like this, college sports is really all about that money, and that's kind of where I want to go next, to the Supreme Court uh, with the name, image, and likeness going through the Supreme Court, NCAA, saying people like watching amateur athletes because they're amateur, if that makes any sense at all. Um, but, Bill, have you been following that Supreme Court case at, at all, and what's your take on it? Just like everybody else, I think, that was was surprised to hear that Clarence Thomas spoke up, you know, because he never asked questions at the Supreme Court, but he's an incredibly bright and brilliant man. But uh, I think that's that's a huge thing. And what you had, you had some players. I was one of the three players that met with the NCAA this week, and I, you'd think that there would have been 30 players that would have met with the NCAA. Um, and maybe there is much more in-depth conversations to take place after the the NCAA tournament, but I think that's that's a huge thing, and I think we are well beyond amateur uh, athletics with when it comes to Division, you know, one uh, athletics. I would I would expect 
that that question that he asked Thomas about uh, why are coaches' salaries as high as they are, that has to that has to really start to resonate with players when you've got guys, you know, making five, six, seven, nine, eleven million dollars a year, and they're not getting a piece of the pie anymore and uh, at all. I shouldn't say anymore at all. I think that's going to resonate. I think that question was really powerful in the way that it was presented and in, in the, the form that it was presented. And I've said this along, for a long time. I think Nebraska, as I have followed this, has been at the forefront uh, maybe more so than anybody else in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think players and athletes, though, as much as they want and need to realize that whatever they get, somebody's going to come for it, meaning the government. I mean, you're going to have some real issues when it comes to taxes on not just the money that they make on their name and image and likeness, but people are, they're going to come for scholarships. They're going to come for all the other benefits that go with being a collegiate student athlete. So, you know, all parties need to really tread on this carefully, even though I think we're going in the direction that players are going to start to get paid in one way or the other. But then you also have to say, look, this just can't be about football and men's basketball. I mean, a Nebraska volleyball player, you know, has an opportunity to do extremely well in the Lincoln and Omaha and Midwest market, as opposed to other places. So this is more than just about, you know, those two, you know, big money makers. when you've got, you know, female athletes in other sports, UConn women's basketball. Uh, it, it, it's a really big issue that's going to probably come to head a lot sooner than we realize. And uh, they're going to have to have some right answers right away. Bill, about 90 seconds, a quick take on Bill Self's lifetime contract and Porter Mosier to OU. Well, you know, I, I think last week we talked about Oklahoma a little bit, and I think as soon as I hung up, I thought, oh, my God, Porter Mosier's the guy for that gig. We talked you know, through Mark Turgeon and a couple other people. But I thought, oh, my God, Porter Mosier, I think, would be the, the perfect fit. And and sure enough, that's kind of what's come to fruition. He was kind of sheepish in the last couple of days about this is my, you know, how they always say this is my job and this is what I'm focused on. Well, you knew then he was going someplace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only the only two places that would have made sense really were Indiana. But I think it's a great fit for Oklahoma to have him come on board. I, I, it's another I think home run hire for Joe Castiglione, who really who rarely misses on anything. Um, and then uh, what was my what was my other uh, Bill Self there? lifetime contract? Bill Self, uh, you know, yeah, you know, good on Bill Self. The, the, he's a he's a great coach, great guy. Uh, I I read the article about his lifetime deal and and all of that. And then at the very bottom it says the NCAA has yet to hand out punishments in a scan, uh, scandal involving payments to players from like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that still mystifies me, not necessarily in regard to Bill Self, but just all of college basketball, that this just continues to get pushed down the road further and further and further and good on Self to get his while he can. Mm. And he's a perfect fit for Kansas, so good on him. Bill, have a great holiday weekend, man. Thanks for jumping on. Always great to spend some time with you. And who do you got Monday? Who do you think gets to Monday? Who do you got Monday? About 10 seconds. All right. I just filled out my bracket, and I'm feeling really good about it. And uh, I, and I would have put Houston in my final four, sure not UCLA. Okay. But I would have. I would have. Um, but I, I say Baylor beats Gonzaga. Okay. Wow. Billy D's going with the Bears. All right. Bill, take care, brother. Talk to you soon. See you. Go, go, go Big Red. Go option. All right. <laughs> go option. I love it. We'll uh, talk. Uh, new recruit for Nebraska, Victor Jones. Wide out from Orlando next day of Varsity Radio. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could 
Listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A standout wide receiver from Orlando and the second commit for Nebraska football 2022, Victor Jones with us. Victor, thanks for jumping on. How's your day going? We're going, we're going pretty well. I'm getting a lot of love from the Nebraska fans um, yeah. on Twitter and stuff like that. So, I mean, I definitely feel um, welcome. What, what's the uh, the craziest thing you've seen on Twitter? <laughs> Uh, nothing too crazy. I mean, it's just mainly just people posting Nebraska pictures or videos or gifts or anything like that, and welcoming welcoming me to um, Lincoln, Nebraska, and the establishment, the university, and stuff like that. So it, it, it's not really crazy, but you know, it definitely makes me feel um, warm and welcome. Victor, let's uh, spend a little bit of time on just your relationship with coach frost and and how far back that goes you're a you're a local guy in orlando coach frost and his staff did amazing work down in orlando and how did you guys kind of get on each other's radar well my freshman year um he was well he was about to leave ucf but i guess he kind of just sent somebody over to um, my high school and they offered me my first scholarship um, in high school. And when he left UCF the next year, he kind of just offered me again when he got back to Nebraska. So it's kind of like he was staying consistent with me. He really believed that I was one of the guys that he really wanted on the team. So it really made me feel like I was really wanted um, by him and whatever staff he was with. Talking yep. with Victor Jones here on Hale Varsity Radio. He's a uh, three-star from down in Orlando, class of 2022, the second Husker commitment in the class of 2022. And, and Victor, what do you see your role in this Husker offense being? Is it out wide? Is it in the slot? Kind of a do-everything guy? What, what do these Husker coaches have planned for you? Well, I'm going to do it all by myself. I can go in the slot, uh, catch passes off the backfield. I can run routes on the outside. I can kick return, punt return. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a gadget guy. I'm, I'm a speedy gadget guy with good hands and great ability in the open field. So, you know, whatever they're willing to put me here, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Victor, what, what do you know about Nebraska uh, as far as the program? Uh, what's, uh, what's the brand like down in Orlando? Well, no one really knows much about Nebraska down here. Um, so. A lot of things because of Coach Frost and the staff and them informing me and stuff like that. But 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 the brand down here really isn't, you know, they're not really too fond of it. But I've had a coach recently that coached me in high school and he went to Nebraska. Um, stayed in Washington. He went to Nebraska and he kind of told me about them too. And I mean, when he was telling me about him, I never really thought I was going to go there. You know, it's just one of those things that you don't even know. So, but now that I'm looking back on it, you know, he was kind of only one of the only people that, you know, told me about Nebraska. We uh, remember Fabian well. Uh, Fabian was a first-round guy and was a super high-level defensive back, even started as a freshman at Nebraska. So how, how far back did, did your ties with Coach Fabian Washington go? Um. He coached my sophomore year in high school, and he 
China had, you know, let me know. He was like, I see a lot of in you, and I feel like you can go very far with your talent. So um, he always encouraged me, you know, push myself and be myself, not let anybody tell me that I can't be great. So, yeah, he he's he's a very he's very influential with my, um, you know, he wasn't very influential influential with my decision, but. He's somebody I definitely thought about when I was making my decision. That's uh, that's a blast from the past, name-wise. Uh, Victor Jones with us, uh, new recruit for Nebraska, wide receiver, 6'2", out of Orlando. So, Victor, uh, a little bit uh, about you and uh, what kind of got you in love with football. What uh, What's your background as far as sports? And I know you're a track guy as well, but what, what made you kind of focus in and how did you see yourself thriving on the gridiron? Well, when I was younger, um, I played basketball was my first sport. So they put me in basketball. I did all right. And my dad, he didn't really want me to play football because he played football and he didn't know if I really wanted to do it or not. So I, I finally convinced him to let me play. And he put me on a flag team first. And when I went to the flag um, team, he coached me a little bit. You know, I just became a star team. So ever since then, it's just been football, football, football every single year. And when I turned about seven, I started running track. Then that helped with my speed a lot too. So I kept with that, and now I'm a big fast receiver that plays wide receiver. Yeah, I'm a big fast guy. So. So, Victor, tell me a little bit, too, about the connection you've made with Coach Lubick and, and uh, who else, uh, Coach Becton. Both, both those coaches were also pretty instrumental, I take it, along with Coach Frost. How's your relationship with them? Uh, we, we've had a lot of um, close, you know, um, like you said, um, in-depth talks, you mm-hmm. know, personal heart-to-heart talks about, you know, family um, Nebraska, how it is up there, uh, team, how they were doing, what they're planning on doing in the future, what they plan on doing with me when I get up there, stuff like that. And uh, it really helped me be at ease and that com- be comfortable with um, saying that I really want to be a part of the um, organization. What, uh, what, what are the plans for the future? What's their message about the future? Well, with me, uh, Coach Fox, Man, you he be one of those guys he used to go vertical down the field. That's something he stressed to me, and he said I might be able to, you know, contribute to the return game when I first get up there. So, I mean, that would be great for me. I, I really feel like I can um, make a difference. Yeah, Victor, I, I want to ask you about your game. What do you consider to be the strength of your game, and and, and what do you think made you stand out to these Husker coaches? What what made them notice you and, and give you an offer? Uh, I feel like um, on the field, I feel like as far as my stature and my elusiveness, along with me being able to create an open field and me having strong hands being aggressive, I kind of all around. So the fact that they're able to notice that, you know, is is great for the recruiting staff because I'm I, I don't I don't consider myself rated as highly as I should be, but. I mean, that's all up to, like, you know, the major sports platforms like 24-7 Horizon. But, you know, uh, 
it's, it's hats off to them because they really like took the time and made me feel like I was one of the very, very high recruits, like five star, four star. So, you know, that's one of the things that they did. Yeah, Victor, I, I want to ask: do, do you compare your game to any high-level, you know, Power Five guys, NFL guys? Who, who do you look at uh, and say, "I want to be like him"? That's that's what I want my game to be. Um, I look at guys like Andrew um, Hopkins. I look at guys like uh, obviously Odell Beckham. I look at guys like um, Michael Thomas from the Saints. You know. Linky guys, linky guys, but also uh, short compressed guys because, you know, more shorter compressed guys are more elusive versus more stringy guys or very aggressive when the ball comes and put the ball in the air. So I kind of want to be a mix of those two, you know. I don't want to be one or the other. I want to stay, you know, in between and become very good at what I do. Victor Jones with us, Hale Varsity Radio, newest commit for Nebraska football. Uh, wide receiver out of Orlando. So, have you had to really continuously drill on on route running, kind of the uh, the finer points of of pass catching, or has that come pretty naturally for you? Well, that's always something I practiced, even when I didn't play receiver as a younger person. So, I I make sure to keep that in repetition, so I don't lose it, and I also work on my speed a lot. So I don't do that as well, because as you get older and taller, and you know, getting you gain more muscles, you can um, lose those things. So I just make sure you know I stay on top of that. Has anybody ever ran you down from behind? <laughs> the last time someone's ran me down from behind was probably when I was like ten, and I ran like ninety-eight yards, and I was exhausted, and I had caught a pick. At safety, so like it, it, was, it was very. <laughs> it was a while ago. It, it was a lifetime ago. Is what you're telling me? Yeah, <laughs> it was a while ago. Victor, I was doing a little research here, and I'm looking at your 24/7 page compared to a guy uh, that you say you want to look up to and model your game after. That's Michael Thomas. He was ranked as the 124th wide receiver in his class. You're currently ranked as the 126th receiver in your class, and obviously a lot of time for you to uh, to move up in the rankings. But when you see like a guy like him and the success that he's had, d- does it allow you to use that that three star ranking as a motivation? Oh, it definitely does because. A lot of the guys that are very, very big stars now with the, be- the biggest contracts and the, the most money coming towards them in the NFL and everything like that, they were, a lot of them were three stars or two stars or zero stars. So, I mean, I always look at that and I always take that into consideration and not look down upon myself, you know. I always use the motivation to keep me going every single day, yeah. Victor, we'll get you out of here on this, and it's wonderful to, to spend some time with you. What do you like about playing in the slot? What do you like playing on the outside? Because Nebraska does a really good job of cross-training their receivers so you can play about any spot. Well, I want to I want to play it all, honestly. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of an outside guy. Mm-hmm. I would say that because of how lengthy I am. But, I mean, if you put me in a slot and you have a guy like – one of the tight ends that are a little bit taller than put him outside me. I mean, it won't be able to tell the difference. So, like, I mean, I just want to stay versatile and make sure I can be everywhere on the field so they can use me at any time they really need to use me. 
We'll have a few more thoughts here from Victor Jones Jr. Our interview continues with him. Next segment, want to remind you about your friends at West Blue Realty, westbluerealty.com. Are you moving in 2021? And I know uh, there's a lot of houses for sale. Maybe folks are looking for that uh, that next house in the Lincoln or surrounding area. Uh, communities all around the capital city. West Blue Realty is where you need to go. No better uh, than Tom Luby or Kelly Hofsnader. Both guys make it happen. Give uh, Tom a shout at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, call Kelly at 402-202-2312-1120 K Street, Suite 200 in Lincoln. WestBlueRealty.com. More with Victor Jones next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More with Husker recruit Victor Jones here on Hale Varsity. T- take me through uh, your 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 season or the last time you got to play. What have you been dealing with from a from a COVID standpoint uh, down in Florida and specifically Orlando? I mean, what what restrictions have there been or have there been any? And have you been able to to do as much football and track as you like, or are you excited to, to be able to do that sooner rather than later? Well, I'm excited about it now because. Uh things are starting to open up more, but um, it kind of, it, it cut into my track season last year. Um, I didn't really get to run my events like I wanted to because I was, you know, I was developing myself more mm-hmm. and uh, I was finally, like, that was when I was finally getting back healthy again because in football season, I was, you know, I was a little beat up, a little banged up, so I was getting back healthy going into the track season. When I got healthy and I started running, like, Probably like um, like two weeks later, they just shut everything down. So they kind of cut off my track season. But as far as my football season this past year, uh, we had some restrictions as far as like fans, mm-hmm. and they cut I think two or three of our games. So it restricted us, but not too much. I still enjoyed my season. I still had a lot of fun. Have you even gotten a chance to see the, the Nebraska campus? Uh, I know with COVID, it's it shut down official visits and stuff. I mean, how, how did that affect your recruitment? Well, I didn't get to take any of my visits yet. So, yeah, that definitely affected that. But honestly, um, as far as what I've seen over the Internet and everything like that, and I know they're going to get a new facility around the time that I'm coming in next year. So, I mean, all that plays in. Uh, I plan on taking a visit this June. Um, we don't have an exact date on that, but depending on the pandemic and how everything goes with um, the the release date for when we can actually go to the schools, uh, it should be in June. Last thought on the facility. What, what do you know about the facility that, that maybe we don't? <laughs> uh, I know that they said it's going to have the biggest weight room in the country, so... I'm ready for that. All right, so that's on the horizon. We know it's in the plans, but uh, uh, maybe that's moving forward a little bit quicker. Victor, best to you. We'll do this again. Uh, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Good to chat with Victor Jones Jr., a kid that's really talented, good film, and pretty versatile. And talk about his speed and his track background the Fabian Washington connection, which is really cool because Fabian was a standout and played with uh, one of our earlier guests, Jay Moore at Nebraska. But 
if you can get a guy that's versatile enough and can go slot and is is good side to side as he is north to south, count me in, right? It's not real easy to find guys that are that versatile and that talented that have great quickness and agility, With even though you're a receiver, but the lateral stuff versus the straight end speed, and you got both. Yeah, and one of the things I love is if you go watch his film on Huddle, uh, there's, there's not many of them in there, but there are highlights of his blocking prowess. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's not something that guys usually uh, highlight on their huddle film. I think that's really good to see because, I mean, we've heard the uh, the adage, no block, no rock. Mm. Uh, but he's also got some wheels on him. And, and what I like is he's not all about make you miss. He's also got a stiff arm in him. Uh, he, he can run through arm tackles. Uh, and, and I like his mentality of of using his, uh, his ranking as motivation. Uh, I mean, comparing himself, not comparing himself to Michael Thomas, but he's saying it's like... A similar setup with what you yeah. asked him about, just kind of you know, a, a, a lesser known name at this point, but it's all about what you do when you get to college. So, yep. and, and he's been patient with having football and track cut short, like a lot of kids due to COVID. So nice get for Nebraska. And, and, and coach Frost liked what he saw in Victor Jones jr. From an early, early age. I mean, this goes back to ninth, 10th grade where both were on each other's radar from, the vicinity in Orlando. So pretty cool. All right. College basketball, the championship uh, game will be Monday. We'll be down at Longwells. We invite you down for championship Monday. Hail Varsity Roadshow, four to six. Come down, hang out for that. Get qualified uh, during the show for Chris Stapleton tickets, Salt Dog tickets, Jet Splash cards, gift cards to other restaurants. And yes, the grand prize following the game, a four pack of home seats to the Royals for 2021. You want to get to a live sporting event. I want to get to a live sporting event. Your chance to go see the Royals, courtesy of Hale Varsity and ESPN Lincoln. So, Longwell's where you need to be. We'll be there uh, 4 to 6 for the show. And then uh, we'll be down there, Willie J, Elijah Herbal, and uh, everybody uh, going to be down there uh, watching whoever gets there. Who is going to get there the final four down to the title two houston or baylor uh staking a beer we split last time that we did so there was no winner but you've got uh, houston getting five right now i think baylor's too good i think they're too talented from three-point land houston it's funny because you look at ucla their studs the transfer from kentucky houston their studs to transfer from Kansas, and it's interesting. Calvin Sampson's a really awesome coach, right? And there's familiarity because of, of Sampson's time in the Big 12, and of course, you, you've got uh, Baylor and Coach Drew, and a lot's been written about and talked about here. Slide edge here with the matchup predictor. Baylor 52% likely for victory. Houston at 47.7%. Grimes is so good for Houston, but tell you what, the, them Bears are so balanced, they just shoot better. They just shoot better mm-hmm. from three-point land. Houston's trek uh, getting uh, by Oregon State, blowing a big lead, outlasting Syracuse, narrowly surviving Rutgers. So, no, impressive for, for, for Houston to be where they're at. And, of course, uh, Baylor, no slouch themselves with uh, where they're at in their program. And they've been knocking on the door, man. They've been to Elite Eights. They've been to Sweet 16s. 
And uh, they are now in the first Final Four for the first time since 1950. So we'll see. You like Houston? Do you like Baylor? Oh, I like Houston to cover. I don't like Houston to win. Okay. I'm thinking, so you think it's to be like one of these 83-80 type games, or you think it can get the – if it gets that high, I mean, Baylor probably covers, don't you think? It's got to be lower scoring well, for Houston. What I'll say is Houston, I don't know if we've seen a full 40 minutes of basketball from them yet in the NCAA tournament. They, they've tended to go on cruise control a little bit late in the second half. Uh, Oregon State, they let them back in the game, and they finally had to put the, the foot back on the gas pedal the end of that one. So it's hard to do. Yeah, so I, I think in the Final Four, we finally get a full 40 minutes of basketball from Houston. There's going to be energy because, you know, you know, one game away from the championship game. Uh, but I still think Baylor is too good. Uh, they shoot the ball too well. I think it's going to be a close one. Give me Baylor 71, Houston 67. A close cover for Houston, uh, but Baylor gets the win and advances to national. I think Baylor game. covers the number. I think Baylor covers the number. Give me Baylor 77 to 70 over Houston. Probably too many points, but I'm going to go that route. Uh, I'm also going to... I don't know. I thought USC would hang around a little bit closer than they did against Gonzaga. Gonzaga was... This, this Gonzaga team looks like a juggernaut. They're awesome. They are great. I love UCLA, and I think uh, Johnny J has been playing great ball. He's been so much fun to watch. I just think Gonzaga has too much. That number, that spread... Is 14. But Gonzaga's I mean, is, covered is, every game of the tournament so far. No, I know they have. And UCLA shouldn't be here. They shouldn't even have been in the tournament, you ask some people. i tell you what, three minutes to think on it, and we'll, we'll give our predictions after the break. Sounds good. We'll wind down a Friday edition. Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio. Now, Hail Varsity Radio weekend back tomorrow morning. Myself and Mark Cranach will dive in, get you ready for the Final Four. Got a tea time rocked for tomorrow. Fired up about that. So you've had uh, a quick break to think on Gonzaga-UCLA. I hope it's not a beatdown. I'd love to see Mick Cronin get to the championship game in UCLA. It's not that I hate Gonzaga. I think they're really awesome and talented, but this would be kind of fun with UCLA. They've kind of captured me. I've been, I never thought I'd root for UCLA ever in my life, but I kind of dig them. I hope they win. They are not going to cover, nor are they going to win. No, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you got there eventually. Because during the break, I was thinking it, it's best to not overthink this. Um, I think Gonzaga has already beaten two teams in the tournament that are better than UCLA and Creighton and USC. Uh, I think both those teams would beat UCLA in a head-to-head matchup. And, well, I, I thought the same thing, that, that Michigan was a better team than UCLA, and I was wrong there. It was a rock fight, though, man. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm wrong here. I think Gonzaga wins. I think Gonzaga wins pretty comfortably uh, in somewhere in the 16 to 18 point range. That's why I'm thinking, give me Gonzaga 81, give me uh, UCLA 64. Uh, so it, it'll be a somewhat close cover, uh, but not actually that close. Uh, if UCLA were to cover this, I think it's a backdoor cover. You know, I think UCLA can keep it watchable for the first half. You're just going to have one of those runs, those explosions by Gonzaga. And you're going to need – UCLA's got some dudes. The thing that's really cool that I, I think we can see moving forward, forward with – McCronin and what a nice hire that was. 
is you're going to get like the Hollywood talent. You're going to get some some really big time dudes. What what's their mentality? What's their grit level? I know Husker baseball gets rocking here in a little bit, and they've got their own slogan going, right? Gritty over pretty. Do you have that with some some kids that have been coddled five star dudes? And they will dive on the floor. They will take getting screamed at by little man Mick, <laughs> okay? And they play for him because what he's got them doing is working and winning, and now they're in the Final Four. Michael Lewis, former Nebraska basketball assistant's on that staff. So there's a little bit of local rooting interest. I'll, I'll root for UCLA. Mm-hmm. My, my problem is is they're just going to have to build a, what, probably a 15-point lead in the first half to be able to withstand whatever I'm sure Gonzaga would bring at them if Gonzaga were to find themselves down late in the first half. So UCLA's got to play a, a perfect game to beat Gonzaga, mm-hmm. and Gonzaga would have to play a bad game it's to hap- beat UCLA. Well, it's happening. Gonzaga's not really played a bad game. Mm-mm. The thing is, is they don't get disinterested, really. <laughs> so we'll probably end up with Baylor and Gonzaga Monday night, Longwell's where you're going to be watching it. We hope to see you there as uh, Championship Monday Road Show with Hale Varsity. And again, uh, plenty of prizes and goodies as we uh, sit in down there. And then once we're finished up, the uh, party really begins getting you ready for the title game. Talk to you in the morning, 7 a.m. weekend edition podcast. Find us, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. Give us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you manana.